Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hello. This is the first of three recordings that we were able to record while on location at Woodworking in America 2016. We were lucky enough to run around the show floor, grab a bunch of old friends and some new friends, and take them all through the five questions. So in this episode, you'll hear 15 questions. We go through the five questions with Wilbur Pan, Aaron Showtime Marshall, and Shannon Rogers. We had a great time talking with them and everyone else we met at Woodworking in America, and we hope you enjoy. I am here with Mr. Wilbur Pan, uh, who has made it from lowly attendee to dominant presenter of the entire conference. Uh, we just finished your talk on Japanese tools and how they are in every way superior to Western tools. Did I catch that right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I understood. I was paying attention, but a little bit of so it was over my head a little bit. Um, but what we're here for is to run through the five questions. Right. So if I can start, how did you get into woodworking? Um, let's see. I, I've been interested in woodworking ever since I was little. Um, I remember my dad um, banging together uh, some bookcases um, and it wasn't fine woodworking by any means because he basically uh, took plywood and nailed it together and, and uh, glued it together and whatever. Uh, but uh, that, that was um, a, a, a big thing that, I, um, that, that carried me through. And then, you know, throughout my life, I've always been interested in woodworking. I just uh, wasn't able to uh, actually start doing it until we finally bought our first house um, uh, uh, a while back now. So. so your dad did some of it, not necessarily fine woodworking. Mm-hmm. Had you done any before you had your house? Had you wanted to do it, or it was the case yeah. if you have a house now you need to do it? Um, it was actually more. Um, I, I did make a, uh, a bellows for my parents' fireplace in okay. shop class one time. It still works, and they still use it. Um, I've always wanted to do it. It's just that I didn't have a good place to do it until we bought bought the house. Okay, so it wasn't so, one of these yeah. cases where somebody really didn't think about it ever, but they get a house now all of a sudden they have to do it. It was actually right. lingering in the back of your head, yep. and so you were happy. Okay, yep, yep. excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, t- second question: What is your favorite tool? Um, my favorite tool is a sharp one. Which is like the pithy <laughs> hand tool answer to that one. Um, there is one J- uh, Japanese plane that I just love because and it's mainly because of familiarity. I can get that thing to do whatever it is I need to do with a pl- uh, with a plane. I can use it to take thick shavings. Now, I can make use it to take that's thin shavings. It's a it's adjustability. It keeps a sharp blade. What what makes it? Be, have that versatility for you. Um, I think it's familiarity okay. uh, more than anything else. Um, uh, it, it, I, I think, and I think that's probably true for a lot of woodworkers. Um, where if you just you have used something for a long time, you just know what you needed to do to get it uh, to get it to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. okay. third question is: In your woodworking, who has influenced you the most? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So, a couple people. Um, again, my dad just for showing me unintentionally that you can actually make your own stuff. Um, I'd have to say Chris Schwartz because he was one of the first people that actually was able to make um, uh, the, the hand tool world understandable to me. Um, I, I know that there are other uh, people that have been teaching for a long time, but he, he has this ability to uh, express things in plain language in, in a way that made sense. And the third would be my backdoor neighbor, uh, Mark Gatner, uh, because uh, um, as good as the online world is, there's nothing like seeing this stuff for real. And, and he's a fantastic woodworker. And um, I... Um, uh, and he was the first one that showed me what a hand plane could do, and that just blew my mind when, uh, when, when he showed that to me when I was first starting out. 
it's excellent, and yeah. I would absolutely agree. It, yeah. it's, it's wonderful the things you learn, but until you actually see it in, in firsthand, it's hard to really wrap your head around it. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. So, um, next question. In your woodworking, what has been your big, biggest stumbling block? And assuming you've been able to get past it, what would have allowed you to move past it faster? Mm. What have you learned from it? Um, biggest stumbling block for me, I think, is just time. Um, yeah, because I always wish I had more time to do stuff. Um, in, in terms of, you know, mistakes and the things that people you know, worry about, I've found most often that, um, uh, I worry much more about the mistake than when I actually finally decide to do it. And then it turns out not to be a big deal. Um, you know, my feeling these days is, you know, uh, don't worry about it too much. You can always make another piece if you have to. So that's a, yeah. that's, I think mean, it's a very good lesson. Yeah. Too many people get emotionally involved in the piece mm-hmm. and it's the end of the world when something doesn't work. Ultimately, yeah. it's just a piece of wood. Right. 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 Um, last question. How has the internet influenced your woodworking? Um, I see. Well, it definitely has helped with my interest in Japanese um, tools because I've been able to come into contact with a whole lot of people that I wouldn't have been able to contact come into contact with uh, without the uh, without the internet. Um, so, uh, so that would be a big one. Um, and just in terms of gathering general woodworking knowledge, um, uh, and, um, uh, the internet's been invaluable uh, for that. Okay. So. And- I, again, I appreciate you coming on, Wilbur. Where can people learn more about you on the internet? Okay, so I have a uh, blog. Um, it's called uh, Giant Cypress. It's at um, giantcypress.net. Um, if you, um, it, it, um, that, that's probably the best place uh, to start. Um, all of my contact information and stuff is over there. Too. Okay, from there they'll be able to get to yep. your uh, your Twitter handle where you have w- yep. witty and, and just delightful conversations. <laughs> sure, and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Wilbur. Really appreciate it. Okay, no problem. All right, we have Aaron Marshall with us here today. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing very well, thanks. All right, let's go through the five questions. Uh, how did you get into woodworking? Norm. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Like PBS back oh, in the day? absolutely. I was like on VHS, like psycho, psycho crazy taping them every week. I was, I was just real into it. Had, we just bought a house and was trying to figure this stuff out, so it was all Norm. Really? Yeah. That, that's uh, impressively simple. <laughs> Although I, I don't think you're alone. No, there's a, that's, there's a lot of people with that same story, I think. I think so. I mean, I definitely watched them growing up. Yeah. Uh, it was hypnotic. Yeah. I mean, did you did you feel a compulsion to get a Brad Naylor? And... No, well, you know, <laughs> well, I think one of the other two, one of the other questions here, I've, I've got, uh, it kind of relates back to that. But, you know, at the time, so, you know, I was aware of Norm. I was aware of, of course, the Woodwright Shop too, Roy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of the two, it just seemed a lot easier to... To sort of machine the wood as it, uh, you know, was so smooth and, and and the stuff Roy was doing at the time seemed so unreachable that uh, never thought we'd go there. But of course, we've all I think learned that that's not necessarily the case. So. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what we're absolutely and what we're at here. Absolutely. So, uh, what is your favorite tool? Um, I have a uh, a friend of mine, Christian Coda, made me a uh, a dovetail marking jig, marking gauge, mm-hmm. out of some uh, some very famous French oak. That, uh, what the, was the, it? The Rubo Oak, the, yeah. the French Rubo project. So Christian was lucky enough to, to be in that thing. And he had, I was, I was lusting over some off cuts and he made me a little, little teeny, teeny <laughs> dovetails, dovetail thing. But that's, that's my favorite one. And it just happens to be what, 500 years old? Yeah. Or it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's a, you got a famous story on the French Oak. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty one. cool. So who has influenced you the most? Um, gosh. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's just one. I mean, I, I read pretty voraciously. I travel a lot for work, so I try and you know stay in tune with the hobby on the road. So I do a lot of reading. But you know, you can't you can't get away from you know, Norman Roy, like I've, I've suggested. Um, Schwartz, of course, Chris Schwartz, 
in more modern times. Um, I'm a big fan of the wood whisperer, Mark Spagnolo. He's, he kind of, all those guys, I think just, you know, the whole thing, everybody in the hobby just makes it more accessible. I mean, this is not a hobby with, with superstars you can't approach. This is, you walk up to anybody at this conference or wherever and you're going to get a handshake and half time an email the, the next week. And I mean, it's just, it's easy. So yeah, everybody's I mean, very approachable. And it's, Absolutely. It's an awesome thing about these, these kind of places. Absolutely. Uh, so what was your biggest stumbling block and how have you avoided it or overcome it? Well, that's what, okay. I'm going to have to go back to Norm here. So not, not that it was his, his <laughs> fault or anything like that. But so I spent a lot of years, um, making excuses and acquiring tools or trying to acquire tools. If I just had that bandsaw, I think I could do this. If I just had the, the bigger, the three horsepower uh, table saw, I could, <laughs> I could, you know, it's just, it just, I wasted a lot of time on that. And, uh, you know, I should have been making sawdust instead of making excuses and trying to acquire new tools. So, All right, you yeah. know, regret I, the way I started out, I just, I was in acquisition mode and building the shop mode. And, you know, you, you move every four or five years as some people do for, for work and got to start over. I got to build the shop, you know, but just, uh, now it's just like, give me a stick and a, a saw and I'm good. Right? <laughs> that's not bad. Coming, coming back to the roots. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's good. Uh, and how has the internet influenced your work? Um, you know, just, it's, I'm sure it's the same answer everybody else is going to give, but just the information that's out there is crazy. You want to know how to do something, you go, you go Google it and, you know, there's four or five sources and people that, you know, you can connect with that will answer your questions. Um, conferences like this, I think, bring everybody together. Um, but it's just, it, it, it crams, it, it allows you to turn that fire hose on and cram that stuff in your brain so much faster when you've got access to information. You're not having to go out there and, you know, go to a library and find the books and, you know, like we were doing 20 years ago. Right. I'm telling how old I am here, but, <laughs> um, you know, the gray hairs on us. So we all remember what it was like, but you know, PBS was it. That was it. So yeah, I'm sure that's not a, a unique answer, but that's, that's the truth. It's just, you know, the, the speed at which you can learn is, is crazy. Right. And, uh, so where can people, uh, find more about you? Um, I'm on Twitter once a year. For, <laughs> yes. for woodworking in America, uh, I'm at Jinkerplex on Twitter, um, but I only I only use it to uh, communicate here at Woodworking in America. Every I think Diami uh, sends me a sends me a note every year. Are you coming? And that's that's, that's my response. So um, I used to have a blog. It's pretty dusty at this point. I, I think I stopped maintaining it a long time ago. So I won't even I, I don't even know that I remember the URL. So I won't I won't do that. But uh, um, I just, uh, I'm pretty passive these days. I'm, you know, a lot of travel for work and that kind of thing. So I'm not, I'm not posting or anything like that, but. So just one more thing I, I just thought of, and I, I guess we could ask everyone while we're here, what keeps you coming back? And we've met a few times and it's always been at WIA. I don't think I've ever seen you outside of it. No, no. Um, I try to avoid you off. No, that's not, <laughs> no, no. I, I have been here. Gosh, it's, it's, these are my fifth or sixth year. I skipped last year, Kansas City just for, for work out right. of the way, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I've said this to other people. I, so I brought my brother this year for the first time and, and convinced him to come and he's, he's hiding off, he's nowhere to off be mic. Um, but I keep telling everybody, you come to this thing and you, you sit in a class and it's, it's not necessarily a class you thought you'd be into. You know, I, I've seen stuff on, on other years of, you know, in this year too, but, um, you know, marketry and, and things that are very, uh, you know, I doubt I'll actually do them in my shop, but man, they're just fascinating. I watch, you watch Mary May carve and it's just hypnotic watching that stuff. So, I mean, just getting, um, you know, your, your, the wider perspective of what woodworking can be is, I mean, it's, it's crazy the kind of stuff you learn here. And, you know, like I said, you can, you can follow up after with more detailed looking at, you know, on, on the internet and that kind of stuff. But, um, 
to me, there's no other, there's no better place really to, to do it. And the camaraderie is also great. I mean, there are, there are quite a lot of friends here from, from past years, but, uh, even if you were a first timer, I think there's always going to be something valuable here. Excellent. Thank you very much. You get it. We are here with Shannon Rogers of the Renaissance Woodworker. Hey, as with our uh, previous interviewee has g- gone from the, the lowly depths of conference attendee to, uh, to the, being the second, the to, ultimate to presenter. sweaty presenter. <laughs> um, so we, we rope Shannon in and, uh, we're going to go through the five questions. So Shannon, can we start with how did you get into woodworking? I bought a house and needed to do stuff. So uh, my wife and I made a big list of things that needed to be built and then proceeded to ignore them for like 10 years and went in another direction. Homeownership, that, that's what it is. Yeah, was. you know, started with a circular saw and I inherited a bunch of tools from my, um, I'm pointing to her, my wife <laughs> over in the corner, from my wife's grandfather. Um, unfortunately, he passed away as we were buying our first house and he was a home builder, carpenter. So, uh, you know, he ended up leaving me a fair amount of tools and, you know, part of it was like, I gotta use them now. So, <laughs> but I mean, there's always been a desire to, to build stuff. Like I built a proton pack when I was in, when was that? 1983 when Ghostbusters came out for Halloween that yeah. year, I used a bunch of blocks of wood and a piece of plywood and glued them all together and sawed them and made my own proton pack. My so, dad was a commercial roofer. So we do sheet metal. So I used to have one made out of sheet metal oh, with a garden hose awesome. and a handle. It's awesome. I wish I still had it. So yeah, it was like how most of us, it was, a, there was need. I needed bookshelves and, and just stuff around the house, like molding and everything. And it was like, like a duck to water. Like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? You know, and Woodworks was on TV and Yankee Workshop was on TV. So there was plenty of external stimuli that it just took me further and further down the rabbit hole. And you've yet to dig out. And it was all power tools then too. Yeah. Yeah. I still have, let me see, I think I have a woodworker too I bought a few. That's and, right. And I have your uh, your stops for your miter saw. The, I have the spoils stops. of converting to yeah. Neanderthalism. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> no, that's great because you had the flat bottom grind on it. Yes. So I, that's, a, yeah. that's a very nice blade. I don't remember why I bought that. Tenons probably. Thought th- you thought it would make you a better woodworker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was I wrong? <laughs> well, along those lines, question two, what is your favorite tool? Hmm. Today, it is this... 27 inch rip saw by a uh, Bont's Toolworks that I just got to use in my demonstration because it, it's beautiful. Um, probably day in and day out, it would be my carcass saw, uh, or excuse me, my sash saw. It's what a, type of sash saw do you have? Uh, I have a bad axe saw that I had custom made by Mark Harrell about two and a half years ago. It's got a teak handle on it, <laughs> nickel back. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, but it's a saw that gets used basically when I built my tool cabinet. I have a saw till for all my saws. My mm-hmm. tool cabinet was only meant to hold planes and chisels and one saw. And that's, that's the, saw? the saw that goes in. <laughs> and it has a little spotlight, you know, music plays when I open that door. <laughs> yeah. It's my sash saw, my bad axe saw. 14 inches of wonderfulness. Excellent. Excellent. Um, question three is who has influenced you the most in your woodworking? Hmm. It's interesting because it might actually be David Marks um, because when I was just getting into it, his show was on TV and like the variety of woods that he used just, it opened my eyes to like what was actually out there. I mean, who knew that the head with it was purple. Um, who'd never heard of Bubinga or zebra wood or anything like that. And David used all that stuff. Um, interestingly enough, it wasn't Roy Underhill. I only found Roy Underhill until like 
five years after I started working with uh, hand tools. Nice. I just snuck in. <laughs> the, the little draw just showed up. The, the draw just showed nice. up unexpectedly. That's real keen. <laughs> I love it. I, I walk into the room and I get the microphone. <laughs> All right. So, so we're going to get the next question here. It looks like is, uh, what's your biggest stumbling block and how, what would you do to avoid it? Wow. Um, probably because I, See, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. There was nothing wrong with starting with, with power tools for me. I think that's a good idea. Obviously, it never suited the way I wanted to work. So for me, it was making that transition over to hand tools because I learned so many ways to work with power. I had to kind of unlearn it all. Um, and I think only just in the last year have I come to a point where I've, I've shed the other stuff. And again, don't don't misunderstand. It's not like that was the wrong way. It was the wrong way for me. So I ended up having to retool, literally retool, but also kind of rethink how I approach projects. And it's a very, very different mindset. Um, I don't think it would be as big if I were more of kind of a hybrid guy. But since I'm like balls-to-the-wall hand tools, can we say that here? It, 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 it's a, it was a stumbling block. You had, to, you had to unlearn a lot of stuff. It's the stuff that Roy Underhill's been trying to teach us for 35 years that we've all ignored, like the sensory stuff, the fuzzy, warm intangible stuff of hand tool woodworking that you just can't, you can't really learn until you do it, you know? Sure. But again, you know, when you, you start getting into anything, you know, it's kind of figuring out what you like and if you're going to like Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty common entry point is people are going to get in with power tools right off the bat. And Mm -hmm. some people don't, they, they learn about it the other way. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's hard to say because I get asked this all the time. Well, what's the best way? Would it, I'm really into hand tools. Would it be better if I started on hand tools or would right. it be better if I started with power tools? And, you know, ignoring one over the other is not the way to go. I may be all hand tools, but I came from power tools right. and that taught me some certain things. And I, and I do have an electric planer. Let's be real. You know, I, I learned that, you know, I know how to flatten a board by hand and now let me just get a planer because I don't need to impress anybody anymore. Right. So there's something to be said about embracing both sides. All right. So, um, Last question here is, uh, how has the in- internet influenced your work? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> the internet. You I'm here. Internet to, uh, I'm here anything? because of the internet. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and I've had a lot of, call them what you will, hobbies. You know, I've been into rock climbing and cycling and all kinds of different stuff, mostly outdoor stuff, you know, going living in Colorado. But it all kind of fell by the wayside. And I wonder, woodworking is stuck. Now, it may be that that's truly my passion, but the positive reinforcement of, you know, forums and not even really forums anymore. It tells you how long I've been at this. Forums, lumberjocks, that's how long this has been around. But that constant kind of interplay and, and community and maybe that's it because most of my hobbies up until now have been very solitary. I mean, obviously climbing, you've got your, your belay partner, you know, and you're tight and then your belay partner moves or you graduate college and then you kind of stop climbing, you know, you shouldn't do it anymore. Cycling is very, very solitary and you kind of lose interest after a while. I think if it wasn't for that community, who knows what would, where, where I would be, you know, without, and it, it's so funny because it has so little to do with, they taught me how to cut this joint or taught me how to, certainly there's some of that, but it's so subjective. I think it was more of just 
because I wanted to share. It's the narcissism, frankly, because you wanted to finish that project so you could take that picture and post it on Instagram because you were so proud of it. And then the feedback you got from that community. And then the person that says, oh, I built something like that last year. And you get to swap ideas. Yeah, I, I think I owe everything to that. I've got actually two bonus questions for you, Shannon. That's not in the uh, contract. No. The, Please sure, insert 10 sure, cents to continue this conversation. Sure, will take care of you afterwards. <laughs> nice. uh, this is far from your first woodworking in America. Mm-hmm. What has brought you back year after year? They're paying me to be here. No. <laughs> Uh, I mean, exactly what we're talking about, this community. I mean, it's funny. The very first Woodworking in America, it was like, you know, you pull out the little schedule and, all right, how am I going to get to all these classes? And you like, you actually like rehearse how to get there as quick as you can so you don't miss anything. And then the second Woodworking in America, it's like, all right, I'm going to go to these classes. And then you get stuck in the marketplace, talking to tool makers and talking to woodworkers. And I missed two thirds of the classes I wanted to do. Third woodworking in America, I didn't go to a single class. <laughs> I had a booth in the marketplace yeah. and spent the entire time talking to woodworkers and coaching people on that, like to go. They were in my booth practicing for the Hand Tool Olympics and then going across the hall to the Hand Tool Olympics and talking to those people and then managing, bless my wife, managing to get away. She manned the booth so I could go take Adam Carabini's class. And I didn't learn anything, but, but just you wanted took to go. A class with Adam you know, That's... I just wanted because Adam's got a great presentation style and, and, to today where I sat in on Matt Cremona's class this morning to support my co-host of Wood Talk and I have a passing interest in milling my own lumber and I could lose my job for saying that at the lumber yard. You, know, you have a buy passing your interest in, in residentially doing it. Commercially, a, it's a wonderful yeah, thing. I have a vested interest in squashing all talk of milling your own lumber and only buy <laughs> from wholesalers like Jay Gibson, McIlvain Lumber at 10701 Philadelphia Road, White Marsh, Maryland, 21162. <laughs> now, it's 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 funny because there has been it's so much not about learning it sounds weird because there's there's a lot of people here that's what they're here for to take the classes and it hasn't been about that for like three or four of these events just hanging out you know it's it's the i don't mean to put words in your mouth but at least for me i think we were getting talking about the same lines mm-hmm. it's the four days of sun up to sundown just talking about woodworking <laughs> Yeah, but well, you're the sun up to sundown guy. I get tired. <laughs> Tommy's coming in doing the walk of shame at you know sun up, coming out with the shoes been, in his hands. It's been and, many years. Yeah. yeah, not me. I went to bed. Um, last question, personal question. We have approximately the same size shop. Uh-huh. To somebody who says a one car garage is not enough, what would you tell them? You're wrong. No. Um, you need to look at it differently. Why don't you think you have enough space? What's taking up the most room? Do you need the stuff that's taking up room? The best thing I did for my shop, because I have so much elbow room now since I redid my shop, and it was sitting down and looking at how often, A, do I need that? You know, and I sold a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, yes, I need that. How often do I need it? You know, I've got a stack of veneer and marquetry type stuff. And the last time I did marquetry was three years ago. Not for lack of wanting to, but it's like, well, if I'm going to do marquetry, then I'll pull it all out when I do some marquetry. The rest of the time, I'm going to put in a Rubbermaid container, and I've got it stacked over in the corner of my shop or in the laundry room adjacent to my shop. So some of it is just better organization, and you probably have stuff that's in the way that you don't use every time you walk into the Mm -hmm. shop. And moreover, that stuff that is ancillary, that only gets used once in a while, or even once during a project, all that does is slow you down. Because it not only gets in the way, but it distracts you. Yeah. Like, you know, I got a sawtail here full of just gorgeous, gorgeous saws. 
And I can so easily walk by my joinery bench and get distracted by a beautiful saw <laughs> and go, oh, wait, do I need to sharpen that? Or, oh, you know what? I probably should oil that because it's gotten kind of dusty. And if that saw were put away in a drawer, dovetailing is a perfect example. You know, I don't dovetail in every project. And when I do, it's just one part of the project. Mm -hmm. So I'll put that away in a cabinet out of the way while I'm milling and things like that. And it's amazing how much space you have. So if you don't have enough space, then you're organized poorly. You ought to be able to find a way to make that work. And don't be afraid to box stuff up and push it over to the corner. Mm. There's nothing that says that it all has to be out and accessible all oh, the time. I absolutely agree with that. I keep my yeah. drum stander in the attic because, uh, <laughs> because I don't use it that frequently. And every time I use it, I pull it down, I use it, and I put it back. And I, yeah. I said drum, I meant spindle. But um, You lost me at sander. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for, uh, for sitting through the seven questions. There was, and uh, there was more than that, weren't there? Well, there's five and two bonus. That's seven. Oh, that's right. Okay. I, I, di I didn't tell you there would be a test, so I'm not going to hold you to that. I majored in music. Yeah. We have trouble beyond four. <laughs> it's tough. Where can people find out more about you online? RenaissanceWoodworker.com and um, HandtoolSchool.net, McIlvain.com, HardwoodToGo.com. God, I got a lot of websites. What if they just want to listen to you? Uh, you could go to WoodTalkShow.com or any of those other sites and click on the WoodTalk logo and go there. <laughs> Or go to woodwhisper.com and click on Wood Talk link and go there. I'm everywhere. But renaissancewoodworker.com will get you, it's a spring point to everything else. Excellent. That's where all the goodness comes from. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, guys.